Hello and welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. It's me, Michael Schaefer, your host, your presenter, your friend from the podcasting world. Today, we've got a lot to talk about. If you're an international listener, I'm going to say that this is a very Australian-centric episode. So please uh, continue listening. Either you'll find it funny or you'll find it educational. Because today we're going to talk about the Logies and what it means for Australia when Sonia Kruger, uh, a bastion of uh, mediocrity and with a history of Islamophobia, wins the gold Logie. What does that mean for Australia? What does that say about Australia? We're going to be talking about that. What's also happening in Australia right now is uh, football leagues like the AFL and NRL are are currently being sued by a number of players because of the head injuries that they sustained decades earlier. Does this explain the erratic and racist behavior of Sam Newman? Is he a racist or is he simply suffering from CTE? I'll dive into that. Before we get into it, I've got shows coming up at the Edinburgh Fringe this month, all of August. From the 3rd to the 27th of August, I will be attempting to make Scottish people laugh. It's always tricky in Scotland because um, you often get heckled in Scotland and I don't know what they're saying. So I find it fun performing in Scotland. If you are Scottish, come along to my shows. I just ask that you don't talk to me at all unless you have a translator there. Come along to see me in Scotland, in Edinburgh. I've got a show in London on the 28th of September. That's going to be really fun. And then I'm back in Australia. I've got a show in Melbourne on the 28th of October at Comedy Republic, one of the best comedy clubs in the country. I'm also doing shows out in Frankston at the Frankston Arts Centre and out in Narry Warren at Bunjil Place. Beautiful little theatres out there. Get your tickets for that at michaelshafer.com. Now, enough of all this hogwash, enough of all this uh, procrastination, enough of all of these these promotions, these plugging. You don't come and listen to this podcast to hear me talk about my upcoming shows. No, you tune into this podcast because you like to hear the best goddamn intro music in the podcasting world. That's why people tune in. That's why people give this show five stars. They say, look, the content, the opinions, the hot takes were cold. However, the introduction was scorching hot. So we're going to play the intro music. I hope you enjoy that. If you don't enjoy it, feel free to skip through the next 30 seconds. And I'll be back shortly with the news. That's one all for podcast. Fun. Comedy. We are stripped down and ready to go. I'll never I'll surrender. <laughs> Well, Australia had its night of nights. It's it's Oscars, it's Golden Globes, it's Cannes Film Festival, all rolled into one. We had it last night with the gold Logie being handed out to Sonia Kruger as part of the TV week. Logie Awards up in Sydney where Australia's uh, TV personalities uh, and producers go to Sydney um, 
and they do uh, the amount of cocaine that uh, a small South American country produces annually. It's a fun night. It's a fantastic night. No one sleeps. Uh, a lot of small businesses are formed amongst friends in bathroom cubicles. That's what the Logies are for. It's a great chance for Australia's uh, semi-famous people to, to get together and do a lot of drugs, give themselves awards, give themselves a pat on the back, despite the fact that the TV industry is dying and there's really no future for any of them because everyone is on YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and no TV executives really want to invest in anything good anymore because uh, it's too risky. So instead, Australian TV is about catering for the baby boomers who live in uh, the regions and we try to keep them entertained in the suburbs, on their farms, in the ranches, so that they don't uh, get bored. we got to keep the people in their 50s and 60s uh, at home watching TV uh, until they are old enough to be put into a nursing home where they will likely be uh, beaten up and uh, become witnesses in a future royal commission. My point being is that Australian TV is dying. It has been dying for quite a long time. But nonetheless, we persist with the Logies and we persist with pretending that people watch TV. And I will say this, despite what you say about Australian TV and the fact that very, very few shows are any good and very, very few uh, TV executives are really to take risks and invest in the incredible amount of talent that exists in Australia, despite all those problems, the Logies are fantastic. And the Logies are great TV viewing. They go for four hours, uh, which is probably why all of the people there are on cocaine, because it would be hard to sustain interest in the proceedings without cocaine. Most of the people watching it, though, are not on drugs because they don't have the disposable income. However, it goes for four hours. I think it's still a great spectacle. And the reason why I think it's a great spectacle and the reason why I think people tune in every year is because you get to see a comedian typically host it. Uh, previous years, has been Dave Hughes, a very funny man. Tom Gleeson, a very funny man. This year, Sam Pang, a very funny guy. All of these very, very funny comedians get to host it. And we love watching that because those comedians are actually good at their job. They're talented. They know how to write. They know how to deliver a joke. And they almost always uh, use their monologues to mock and ridicule the famous, semi-famous people sitting in the room. And none of the jokes, a lot of the times the jokes don't land in the room. And that's because all of these people have either had a lot of Botox in order to uh, look good on the red carpet. And so their, their jaws are, are not functional. They, they can't actually move their faces. But also they don't like to laugh because they don't want to be seen to be laughing on camera one of their colleagues because they're like, oh no, I'm going to have to see them at the after party and then it's going to be awkward and then the Daily Mail is going to write an article about it, yada, yada, yada. So a lot of the jokes told in the room by the comedian hosts uh, kind of bomb in the room, but they are very, very funny and they're enjoyed by the people around the country. And that's why I think these guys are heroes because they essentially go out there uh, to kind of uh, bomb in the room, but kill uh, across the country, which I think is wonderful. And that's honestly the reason why we tune in. We like to see these 
rich, uh, pretentious, semi-famous people who are part of a dying industry. We like to see them get roasted and ridiculed and humiliated. It's the best part of the night. No one wants to see a person who's like talented and who works hard uh, get rewarded for all of that. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't want to say that. This is Australia. We're not here to celebrate uh, talent and, and success and hard work. We are here to mock and ridicule and cut people down who think they are better than us. And that's always the highlight of the Logies. And to be honest, it was kind of almost, I'm not going to say invented, but it was almost popularized and normalized by Ricky Gervais, who hosted the Golden Globes. What was it? Five, six, seven times. And he was the only reason that people tuned into the Golden Globes because he turned up, he didn't give a fuck, or at least he gave the impression that he didn't give a fuck. And he went out there and he made fun of these rich people and he made fun of the fact that they were all you know friends with pedophiles slash pedophiles themselves and that was fun and we got to enjoy watching these people be uh, mocked and ridiculed to their face and i don't know why we even uh, persist with giving out awards to people anymore when we know that the the best thing about these ceremonies is seeing these rich semi-famous uh somewhat talented but often not really talented people get mocked and ridiculed to their faces. That is the that is the reason that people tune in. That is the reason why it is a spectacle. The awards are, are just, take up too much time. The awards are boring. I really think that next year with the Logies, and we can do this with the Academy Awards and the Golden Globes, every, every award show can follow this model. You What we should do is you just say to all the actors and all the famous people, hey, we're going to do the awards again. So... Coming out, I know that you know you're part of a dying industry, and I know that you're kind of you got money and you got accolades and you got fame and you and you've got respect, and you you don't really need rec- more recognition. You don't need more awards, but fuck it, come along. We've got the awards. I think we should just trick them. Say, hey, we're going to give out awards, uh, but then don't do it. So just say, hey, we're going to give out awards, and then what happens? is a comedian comes out, like Ricky Gervais, and just calls them all um, fuckwits to their faces for like four hours. Just makes fun of them for four hours, and we just see how long they stay in the room for. In fact, what you could do is, you know that they'll stay because everyone wants to get an award because they're all desperate for their attention horse. So what you could say is, hey, there's going to be one award at the end of the night, and it'll be given to whoever stays the longest. So you just go out there, you start roasting these people, mocking them, ridiculing them to their faces. You do that for as long as possible until eventually there's one person left and you say, congratulations, you are the person uh, most desperate for attention, but also with the best sense of humor. So uh, enjoy this award. That's what they should be. No one really cares about who won best new uh, talent slash screenwriter on a comedy drama series for children no one really gives a shit we just want to see people be humiliated the good thing was about this show is that there was a lot of humiliation a lot of humiliation and thank you to sam Payne for making it watchable for for dishing out some humiliation there was also a lot of humiliation uh for channel 7 the network because a lot of jokes were made at their expense that if you tune into for example 
morning television uh, on Channel 7, if you tune into Sunrise, uh, often it will be uh, a bunch of white people explaining why we should vote no to the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. So there were kind of a lot of jokes around that. And there was, there was this whole, there was a bit of a theme of the night that Channel 7 uh, doesn't, uh, you know, care about diversity in its programming and doesn't really care um, about the rights of minorities or anything like that. And then there was this wonderful, wonderful humiliation for Channel 7 when at the end of the night, the gold logie was won by Sonia Kruger, who uh, famously, uh, seven years ago, on TV uh, called for Muslims to be banned from migrating to Australia. So let me take you back to, to 2016 when everyone was scared of Muslims. Fortunately, people have moved on from the Islamophobia, which I think is nice. I'm not saying Islamophobia is done and dusted. I'm just saying it's not in the front page of the news every day. Because back in 2016, you have to remember, remember ISIS? People were very, very scared about ISIS. If you don't remember ISIS, they were like Al-Qaeda, but even more hectic. So these were the guys who basically, you know, decided to uh, create a caliphate, you know, in Iraq and Syria, because basically America went in to get oil. They took all the oil. They didn't really uh, replace the government properly in the Middle East. Next thing you know, ISIS is beheading people. As a result of that, Sonia Kruger goes on TV and says, hey, uh, I think that maybe we should cut back on the Muslims coming into Australia. So that's what she said. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Sonia Kruger must have some sort of background in immigration policy. She must have some sort of background in perhaps political science. Maybe she has been studying the rise of ISIS in Syria and Iraq. Maybe she's been watching the beheading videos. Maybe she's been doing her own research about why all Muslims must be stopped from coming to Australia. Maybe she has been doing that. But her justification and her, her credentials for making that statement at the time were, hey, as a mother, I am worried about Muslims coming into this country. Now, there's lots of mothers out there. There's lots of mothers out there. Now, this is no disrespect to mothers. You know, I'm, I have a mother. I do have a mother. I don't think that being a mother necessarily means that all of a sudden your opinion matters when it comes to Australia's uh, immigration policies. I think that being a mother does give you a lot of credibility in terms of other things that relate to being a mother. Um, you know, like stuff about like how your breasts uh, get big and you got to and you got to breastfeed a lot. You can talk about that. Uh, how you're tired. Mothers love talking about how they're tired. They can talk about that. You know that kind of stuff. They can talk about those things. I just think Muslim immigration is not really uh, something that is connected to motherhood. I just don't think that's how it works. Nonetheless, Sonia Kruger went on TV and said, hey, I'm a mother, so my opinion matters on this very, very 
niche, complicated topic of Muslim immigration in the context of ISIS's extremism ramping up. So my point being is that Sonia Kruger, despite having uh, that in her background, and despite, I don't think ever really having apologized for it, and also despite not really having any talent that anyone could really kind of point to, won the gold Loki. Now, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve the gold Loki. I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying that it is a wonderful example of Australia celebrating mediocrity because Australia, the culture of Australia is just an incredible celebration of being average. If you're good and talented in Australia, we don't like that. You're meant to kind of be humble and hide your talents so that you can be relatable to the everyday man. There's something about Australian culture and it's tall poppy syndrome. We love to cut people down with talents and who demonstrate their talent. We love to cut that down. It's And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. It's not necessarily bad. It's probably better than the opposite, which is kind of America. Because in America, they believe in American exceptionalism. They believe that in America, we are the best. We are God's gift to you. And as a result, in America, there's this ostentatiousness. There's this boisterousness. There's this obnoxiousness to American culture. That's why when you walk around the streets and you hear tourists speaking, it's always Americans yelling and being loud because that's what's celebrated in their culture. You're meant to, you're American. I'm American and I'm here and I'm letting, that's a bad American accent. I accept that. But my point is with a mediocre American accent like that, I could win a Logie in Australia because Australia does not really celebrate talent. We like to celebrate people who are average and relatable. And I think Sonia Kruger is kind of perfect for that when you think about it. She's got a history of being uh, bigoted and being Islamophobic. That's very relatable to a lot of Australians out there. She's doesn't have a lot of talent. She's kind of like just very plain. Other than if, if you're Muslim, she's kind of pretty easygoing. She kind of just goes up there and she's, you know, hosts The Voice or The X Factor, whatever one of those, all those fucking shows are. And she goes out there and she reads the teleprompter and she says, and the, going into the elimination round is Casey from Carnegie. And that's what, and she's great at that. She's very, very good. She's also very good at um, not getting older. So, I mean, you could look at Sonia Kruger. I, can I just say, I prepared a, a kind of like a joke for this podcast. Not that I prepare much for this podcast. I wrote this little joke that I thought was kind of funny is that probably Sonia Kruger's greatest talent is that she could be aged anywhere between 27 and 48, right? That's what I thought was interesting and funny about Sonia Kruger. Lo and behold, I then read a news article that says she's 57. Fuck me dead. Give her the gold, Logie. 57. She looks absolutely fantastic. She looks outstanding. Wait, I, now that I'm saying that out loud, I don't actually believe it. So I'm just Googling. I've read it in an article, but you know, you should always double check these things. Sonia Kruger age. I'm Googling that right now. Holy shit, she's 57. Born on the 28th of August, 1965. Sonia Kruger is 57 years old. She looks incredible. 
give her the gold logie. Give it. I mean, she should get the gold logie, but she should also share it with her plastic surgeon or whoever's doing her makeup and her work because she looks outstanding. And this is not again to demean or degrade any women or, or men who have plastic surgery. I understand, you know, your whole career is based upon your looks and how you look. But she looks incredible. She deserves the gold logie for looking that fantastic. Give her, give her the gold logie. I don't care if she's otherwise mundane and boring and bigoted. Give her the logie. And I'll tell you what, I think it's inspirational when mediocre people with fantastic plastic surgeons, that must be emphasized, I think it's inspirational when mediocre people win awards. And maybe that's why Australia gives out awards to mediocre people, because it's inspiring. Because there are so many people out there who see Sonia Kruger win what is purportedly the most important award in Australian TV, an industry that's dying, remember. There are so many people who see that and they go, oh, well, if Sonia Kruger can rise to the top of her industry, uh, surely I can do it in my industry and I'm not even Islamophobic. In fact, maybe let's double check. Was it the Islamophobia that helped? Because I've been thinking she has risen up the ranks of Australian TV despite the Islamophobic comments. But the more that I think about it, I think it is because of the Islamophobic comments. That actually makes a lot more sense. The more Islamophobic and bigoted you are, and the more knee-jerk reactionary you are in the Australian TV media industry, the more successful you tend to be. How else do you explain the longevity of Kyle Sanderlands' career? How else do you explain the fact that Pauline Hansen has had a very successful political career and was even on Dancing with the Stars a few years ago? I guess the conclusion I've arrived at is that if you want to be successful in the Australian entertainment industry, it helps to be a little bit racist, which could explain my lack of success. I'm simply not racist enough. And that's why I'm rebranding this podcast to the Michael Schaefer White Supremacy Hour. Welcome to the new podcast. It's Michael Schaefer's White Supremacy Hour. Here at the Michael Schaefer White Supremacy Hour, we believe that we got to close the borders. We believe that uh, Asians are coming uh, to, to, to invade and the immigrants are coming to take your jobs. And we also believe ISIS is coming to behead you all. It's the Michael Schaefer White Supremacy Hour. Uh, I'm going to do this for another year and hopefully you'll see me on stage at the Logies next year accepting my award uh, for best uh, racist podcast guys speaking of australian tv personalities sam newman has gone off uh, on his podcast in the last couple of weeks he's basically come out and said that uh he's going to vote no on the voice and he's he's saying that it's a bit uh strange that australian schools are teaching indigenous history he doesn't like the idea that indigenous history is being taught in the curriculum and look he's and which is ironic because he's a very very old man 
he's a man from a different time. So if anyone, like he's lived through history. Maybe that's why he has these views. He's kind of, because back in the day, back when he was like matted, you know, indigenous people probably couldn't vote yet. He's probably like, you know, back in my day, things were better, you know, you know, they couldn't vote. And now we've got a voice to parliament and, you know, there was only one gender back in my day. And now we got, you know, then we had women, we invented women. And now we've got, now we've got, you know, the transgenders and the non-binaries and, and now the non-binaries want a voice to parliament. And now we have to, we can't have gas stoves. And, you know, the vaccine is a Nazi Jewish conspiracy that Dan Andrews is trying to put up your bum. And the fluoride is making your children transgender. And the 5G towers are making you vote yes to the voice to parliament. So I understand that Sam Newman is confused. I understand that these are the things he... He says in his podcast, it's important to put all of his comments in context. It comes in the context of a lot of ex-AFL footballs, which is what Sam Newman is. He used to play football for the Geelong Cats. Sam Newman used to play football for the Geelong Cats in like the 50s and 60s and 70s when they didn't really know about um, you know concussion and concussion protocols and, and what could happen when you get knocks to the head. And as a result of all of those uh, injuries that players sustained over that period, uh, the AFL and NRL and other other codes, including in America and the NFL, they're currently facing these uh, class action lawsuits from ex-players who sustained injuries while they were playing and now suffer from CTE, which is basically this like degenerative condition of the of the brain where you kind of slowly lose your memory. It can cause you to uh, have changes in personality and mood swings. It's been linked to being violent, etc., etc. Quite an awful thing to develop. A lot of these footballers are now suing the AFL and the NRL. And I just wonder, just with that context, does that explain Sam Newman? Is this a man who is lucid? Or is this a man suffering from a brain condition yelling into a microphone? which I know is how you could describe this podcast and many other ones. But again, I don't think this podcast is as racist as Sam Newman's. Uh, I mean, hopefully the White Supremacy Hour will help and hopefully that will get me uh, an invitation to the Logies next year or whatever the podcast equivalent is of that. But Sam Newman's, you know, racist uh, rants, these bizarre tirades, his bizarre views about indigenous people and the vaccine and Dan Andrews and not being able to play golf during the lockdowns. It could be explained by the fact that this is a man suffering from a degenerative brain disorder. And I think that if I was Sam Newman, I would use the podcast episodes that he has released. He does a podcast, check it out. It's good stuff. I would submit those episodes as evidence in my own class action against the AFL and say, hey, AFL, I played football in the 50s, 60s, and 70s where you guys you know, would let players get punched behind play, get knocked out and concussed, and then you'd go to the bench, the doctor would slap you around the face, say, how many fingers am I holding up? You'd say 12, they'd say seven, close enough, get back out there, Tiger, We've got a match to win. 
That's what used to happen in the AFL. There were no concussion protocols. No one cared about the safety of the players. And as a result, many footballers like Sam Newman, presumably, suffered a lot of brain damage. So if I was Sam Newman, I would have you'd have a slam dunk case if you were Sam Newman. You could say, hello, uh, judge. Um, I believe that the AFL caused me brain damage. And the judge would say, okay, Sam Newman, uh, how can you prove that you have suffered brain damage? And Sam Newman, presumably with the help of his lawyer, because I don't think Sam Newman would, I, I mean, Sam Newman would presumably be representing himself uh, in his own class action because he, you know, he's, he's brain damaged. But Sam Newman, representing himself, if he were lucid enough, would say, Judge, Your Honor, have you heard my podcast? Because uh, this week on my podcast, I said, and this is true, on this week on my podcast, I said that Indigenous history, which goes for at least the 60,000 years of documented Indigenous history, I said on my podcast that surely, you know, they could teach that in school uh, pretty quickly. Like surely you could just knock that off in about a 15-minute seminar. Uh, I, that's what I said. That's what I said. Also, I once I did blackface on TV. Um also, I once uh, uh, sexually assaulted a mannequin of a female colleague on TV. Um, also, have you heard anything that I've said in the past 45 years? And the judge would say, you know what, Sam Newman? This is the most compelling evidence I've ever seen in my life of a man who is suffering from CTE. AFL, you have to give this man uh, all of the money because this is a man who is clearly, clearly deranged. How else could you explain the deranged views that he spouts on his podcast if not for the fact that he was suffering from some sort of brain condition sustained from his years of playing football? This man deserves compensation. This man should be receiving a Logie next year for his commitment to racism. Thank you for listening to the Michael Schaefer topical, uh, topical with Michael Schaefer slash the White Supremacy Hour with Michael Schaefer. I really hope we can uh, get that going over the couple next couple of weeks. I really think it's got legs. I really think that I might finally uh, get a sponsor for the White Supremacy Hour with Michael Schaefer. If you enjoyed this show, give it a nice review on Spotify so that people hear about it. Come see me live where I think I'm at my best. And uh, hopefully next year, uh, if this podcast gets mediocre and racist enough, you can catch me at the Logies. Catch you next week. Good night.